Welcome to 10 Minutes With. It's a podcast for people who want to listen to podcasts but don't have all day. This is Tim. We've got a quick chat with someone you might be interested in learning more about in about 10 minutes. Aaron Schust has a passion for all of scripture that simply radiates in conversation as well as in song. I think you're going to love getting to hear his heart for the word of God and the people of God. So you've heard my savior, my God, my hope is in you and ever be just to name a few of his songs in his latest project, the gorgeous album, heaven and earth. Each track is a rendition of a Psalm from God's word. Now I don't mean just like sort of inspired by you're really listening to the word of God being sung. What inspired that choice? Yeah, I think the uh, the intentional, call it a concept album, to be very specific about what this is going to be. It's not going to be uh, some scripture, some not, some biographical, some not, some like. And some of my albums in the past have been that way. But I also, I think there's something about the thematic nature of an entire Psalms album, front to back. And uh, I don't know. I think it began, and I can't promise that I'm going to carry this on to completion. Uh, but with the the concept of the, you know, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that mandate. Like, well, I could potentially, if the Lord wills, do a psalms album, a hymns album. And then by the time I figure out what spiritual songs uh, qualify as, I'll, I'll do a, a spiritual songs album. <laughs> um, and I mentioned that to a lady at a Christmas concert in the signing line at the Cove and at the Billy Graham Training Center. And I said, I'm thinking about doing a... Uh, a Psalms album. And I can't remember what or how our conversation led to that, but she like teared up in her eyes immediately. And she said, please make a Psalms album. And I can think back over my, uh, I don't know, 18, 19 years of, of making music and recording music, the songs that I have written and recorded and love to sing in concert most often, regardless of their success on radio or not is scripture. Hmm. When I sing, come to me, which is Matthew 11, 28 to 30, the words of Jesus. I used to close concerts with that. I would literally unplug my guitar and walk down off the front of the stage and just sing it off mic with no amplification with just the guitar. And it's kind of a Appalachian sounding simple. That's not the right word. Americana, maybe uh, guitar. And I started occasionally, not every time, because all of my concerts are different. I would start the concert with that because there's something about opening with the words of Jesus. Talk about a call to worship. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. So most of my songs are sung to the Lord uh, or about the Lord. And I'm very specific in, 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 in letting people know, hey, this is <laughs> this is not me singing to you. This is the Lord Jesus singing to us, uh, as it were. Uh, and so there's something powerful about the scripture. There's something, you know, his word does not return void. I can put my opinions into a song. They might return void, but the word of the Lord will not return void. So all that to say, um, the idea of putting nothing but scripture into an entire album was very appealing to me. Yes, I love that. And and even scripture when scripture is hard to hear, because like Psalm 22, that's heavy. It's really heavy. It heavy. And you deal with yeah. that. And that's I really respect that immensely. Thank you. Uh, that was a that was a risk, and I and by heavy we don't mean rock and roll heavy. We're talking about thematically dark, and, and I'm taking these concepts throughout the course of a psalm. Some of the psalms are very long, and they have multiple themes. Psalm 22 is a great example. The first half of it is is very dark. My God, why have you forsaken me? And the end of Psalm 22 is very hopeful. But I didn't I didn't touch that in the song. I just referenced the first part. Uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to use that one, it's an incredibly messianic psalm. Uh, David wrote it. Jesus quoted that first line from 
the cross and to, to go even, even deeper. And, and I talk about this in my, in my concerts and even did a little devotional online about this, just putting it out there for consideration. Cause I've always wondered when Jesus hung on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was he confused? Did he not understand what was going on? And just my theology, um, my Christology is that God, that Jesus did know what was going on, that he was, he was fully God, fully man. And it says around the time of the Passover that he under, he knew all things. Uh, like he understood. I don't think he was confused. I don't, I, I don't think it was a rhetorical question. I believe, and I offer this up for consideration because I could be wrong, but I believe that, that he was drawing attention to Psalm 22. They didn't have the title Psalm 22. They didn't have the title Genesis one. If, if, if someone 2000 years ago, in the Jewish context, wanted to reference Genesis 1, they would simply say, Bereshit, in the beginning, God created the heavens. And everybody would know exactly what they're talking about. Uh, Psalm 51, be gracious unto me, O God. They didn't have Psalm 51. They didn't have Psalm 22. So when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm just posing. Is it possible? I'm not the only person who's, who's brought this up for consideration, that Jesus was pointing everyone within earshot, and us for that matter, uh, to the messianic Psalm 22 that describes in, in vivid detail what was happening before their very eyes. That's amazing. Like it's shorthand. It's shorthand letting them know yeah. this is about that. This is that being fulfilled. Right. Wow. Right. That's something to consider. And I love that you use the word messianic too, because um, I was always encouraged by how Pastor Tim Keller talked about the Psalms. He called them the songs of Jesus. And just those mm-hmm. three words made me see the whole book differently. Like, oh, from Jesus' perspective, because ultimately the entire word is about the big story. It's about the one person. It's about the Messiah, Jesus. And I would just love to hear a little bit about how Christians can see Messiah, Jesus, King Jesus in our heritage of the Psalms. Well, the way, the way I've gone about that the past few years since my first visit to Israel in 2016 was to intentionally reach out to Jewish believers, Jewish people who follow Yeshua, Jesus. That's Yeshua is simply his Hebrew name, and it means salvation, which makes sense when you remember that the angel said you will call him Yeshua because he will save his people from their sins. It's, it's what his name literally means. A, a dear friend of mine, Joshua Aaron, who's, who's Jewish and a believer in Jesus and Yeshua wrote a song called Salvation is Your Name because he was at the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall in Jerusalem, surrounded by Orthodox Jews who do not believe in, in Jesus but on the, on the, as Messiah. But on the left and the right, they have their hands on the wall and they're, they're davening, if you can picture the bowing in rhythm, and they're saying the word Yeshua, 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 oh. because they're praying for salvation. But he's like the irony of the fact that they're literally saying the name of the Messiah. And you know what? The, the Isaiah 6, Romans 9 through 11, talks about a partial hardening on hearts. Um, we know that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. God can harden and soften whom he will. And, and I, I just I daily pray that God would open eyes, open ears, and, and replace the hearts of stone with hearts of flesh. Hmm. So that as Paul says in Romans 11, one day all Israel will be saved. Hmm. That's the prayer of my heart. Whew. I'm not kidding. Literal chills at hearing that. It's, it's not even what you asked. I forgot what we were talking yeah. about. Oh, <laughs> that's it. That, and, and we know 
the Messiah. We do know. Yes. We can look at this book and it's it's finished. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. You were asking about seeing the Messiah, seeing Jesus in in like the Hebrew scriptures, the, what we call the Old Testament, which just, just sounds like an obsolete testament and it's not. So I, I like to call it the Hebrew scriptures. But to intentionally reach out to some of these um, Jewish believers and say, I want to sit at your feet. Teach me. You know, I, I've been I've been studying the Bible. I went to Bible college. I've been going to church all my life. But I want to hear, I want to hear this from your perspective. I want to look at the same diamond from a different angle. I've likened it to those of you who have traveled to Jerusalem. There's Hezekiah's tunnel that you can actually walk through. You can read about how Hezekiah dug this tunnel so that they could have water whenever the Assyrians were surrounding the, the city of Jerusalem. And the tunnel, because of time constraints, was dug from two different directions, and they met in the middle. And it took a long time, but they met in the middle, uh, underground, chiseling through rock. And you can see as you walk through the tunnel where the chisels change directions. Hmm. Chisel marks go away from you. Then all of a sudden they start to come toward you. And you realize there was a time when two people groups who were of the same faith met in the middle. And what a day of rejoicing that must have been. And I feel like as a Gentile Christian, I'm meeting with these Messianic Jews who were digging the same tunnel. We believe the same thing, but we're coming from two different perspectives. I feel like there's a, there's something that's happening right now in the world and in, in as believers, we're experiencing different perspectives. It's not changing my faith. It's deepening my faith. That is tremendously beautiful. I love the imagery, the, the, the embodied metaphor of the two sides coming together. Is there any way you can sum up how that has transformed, if that's a fair word to use, your own role as a husband, a father, a child of God, how you lead your family? The Word of God becoming more alive to me, and I'm going to be very careful to say to me because the Word of God cannot be any more alive than it already is, but I'm a forgetful human being, and I can rest on the laurels of what I've believed I've always known to be true. But whenever I am continually reminded of how real the word of God is, the story of God is, the truth of God is, the love and how deep, the more I discover and the more I learn, the more imagery, the more context, especially as I think about sitting at the feet of some of my Jewish believers and they say, consider, here's an example. I sat at a Passover uh, Seder at somebody's house around a table. I've never done that. I've heard about them. But a couple of years ago, I started being invited to people's house. Uh, you know, a token Gentile sometimes at the table, but I'm, <laughs> I'm weeping the entire time because I'm reading. Here's the specific example. There's this song called Dayenu. Dayenu is Hebrew for it would have been enough, or at least a shorthand version of it would have been enough. And this song recounts every step of the Exodus all the way from leaving Egypt through the Red Sea, uh, manna, quail in the desert, into the promised land. And it's just one little line at a time. And what it's basically saying is, if you had, God, if you had only done this, it would have been enough. If you had only done the next step, it would have been enough. If you had delivered us from Egypt, but not, but not part of the waters, it would have been enough. And it's the sense of gratitude and trust that I had never experienced before. So I'm trying to sing this song, die, die, and I'm crying because it's so beautiful. If that doesn't trickle down into my everyday life and how I treat my wife and my kids and my friends and my family, then shame on me. Because yeah. it's not about just knowledge. It's not about learning stuffs. It's about how it affects your life. Aaron Schust is in concert at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, Friday, October 6th. 
Find out more and how to get tickets at familylife.org events. If you've enjoyed this episode of 10 Minutes With, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Did you know Family Life offers a variety of podcasts? Get up to date with Family Life news or enjoy some family time with Family Life kids. There's If That Makes Sense, a Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life is really like as a Christian young adult. And Therese Talk, a podcast with help for women to better serve their families and community. They are all free and on demand at familylife.org. Just click podcast in the radio menu.